Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into the podcast today. As always, thank you so much for listening. Hope you all are able to get outside and enjoy some of that sunshine. Today, I'm with Doug from Dark Horse Archery. Doug, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into the deep of... Okay, um, well, I'm Doug Lyons. I'm from Montpelier, Vermont. I've been in the Roaring Fork Valley now since 98. Um, you know, grew up hunting, fishing back east as a child. Um, came here, you know, to work and make money and all that stuff and snowboard and hunt and fish and stuff so and i stayed um live i bought my house here in, in the uh crystal valley 10 years ago um and yeah i just love it here it's great um started an archery shop i think i'm going into my third or fourth year here i run that out of my home um by appointment only, but it seems to provide archers in the valley a place to go and get their equipment tuned and worked on by somebody like they can trust. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much the reason I did that. So yeah, that's what I do and get after the hunting. As we think, can, I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm successful or I used to be anyway. Sometimes I question myself, but as we can see with all the trophies here, <laughs> <Right. in the laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a small world out there. So last year I was talking with my sister. She's like, oh, I've got to run up to see my archery guy. It's like, what? You have an archery guy? She's like, yeah, Doug. He's great. He's out of Carpendale. I was like, oh, cool. And then it was a few weeks later and I was with my friend Pat. And I was like, who do you guys go to see to get your bows worked on? Oh, this guy Doug out of Carpendale. Dark horse guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, funny. And then we crossed paths on Instagram the other day. It's amazing the power of Instagram and social media. Like, I've met some really cool people. I I actually went to Hawaii um, on an Axis buck hunt through Instagram. I just 
started following this guy and watching what he did out there. And next thing you know, I'm in Molokai chasing Axis Buck with a guy on, you know, that I met on Instagram. So I take it you weren't successful. It's not hanging up on the wall. I was actually oh. shot too. Oh, it's in the freezer. Though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And That's there's cool. no more wall space here. Yeah, exactly. For that, but uh, need a bigger house. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, the power of Instagram and um, with hunting and stuff like that, it's it could be good. You know, there's a lot of good out there and there's a lot of bad. So, but uh, choose to see the good. You know. Exactly. Just like you and I sitting here today. It's cool. Yeah, we've been chatting already for what a while. Probably yeah. an hour. Our dogs are playing in yeah. the backyard and good views of uh, Avalanche Creek over there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. This it's amazing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was cool. It was interesting when your sister came into the shop the first time. Um, here's this here's this woman, you know, five foot tall, strikingly beautiful, blonde hair. You know, here she comes toting this little bow in, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, she's probably a little, little target shooter, you know, whatever. I offer my assistance there, and... All of a sudden, she hands me her phone, and there's like a 350 bull on it. I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> that was awkward, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, that was a introduction to Drea's family. Yeah. So um, We hunted that bull for two years. Wow, what and a stud. We just, we were, I think we were intimidated by him. We, d- we couldn't quite figure out. We didn't want to push it, you know? We always played the safe side. And... It was a week before she shot that bull. I had him at 80 yards. He came into a water hole because I had seen him in there a few days before. I was down the ridge. So I was like, I just need to sit there in the middle of the day, you know, make sure the thermals are good and just chill. I was sitting by this fir tree and the wallow was behind me and the wind was kind of acting weird. So I was like, I'm going to actually move down just kind of below the wallow, just past it. That way, if the wind is going up, I know he's coming from the timber on the other side. And was sitting. Mm-hmm. As <clears throat> soon as I moved on over, sure enough, I look up and that bull that she shot and a cow came walking right past the tree that I was sitting at. And I was sitting there and I was, this was my first oh, big man. adventure into solo hunting. So that was, I took that entire month of September off to just hunt. And because I just wanted to learn and I want to fully immerse yeah. myself in it. And he came in at 80 yards and I just sat there and I watched him and that cow for like a good hour. I just never got a shot, but it was one of the coolest things. Just to observe and yeah. Watched him right back into the timber and I was like, now I know what to do. Mm -hmm. So when Bridget and dad show up on the weekend to hunt, this is what we're going to do. And we went in there and we actually had a muzzleloader hunter that day. Did Bridget tell you this story? Uh, Yeah, I've heard it a little bit. Yeah. He, um, we don't know if he intentionally was trying to scare the bull away he had a muzzleloader tag and he was basically shooting caps or if his gun wasn't actually firing. Um, Weird, huh? But we ended up seeing him. He walked right past us. He was in a flannel and jeans and he probably walked past 50 yards and we waved at him. We were like trying to talk to him, but he wouldn't look at us and just was super loud, was just tromping through the woods. And we we're like, okay, well, he clearly just spooked that bull um just past the timber was some cliffs and so we're like he didn't go up and over so he either moved down or he moved up so there's still a chance we can get in there and hopefully you know get a respond from him and maybe make a move and sure enough as soon as we got into the timber i mean there was scat and rubs everywhere that's like, his, and you could just his home he was yeah. just living in there and he and we <clears> knew <throat> it too because he would bugle back 
he would never come out of there. It was his safe zone. Yeah. And he would bugle and we'd be like, oh man, he's just right there. And we would wait and he would bugle back but would never come out. So we crept into that timber and we were literally like, I was leading the way because this was right before my guiding days. And my right. dad's like, Dre, lead the way. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, oh, I got this. On, you know? Yeah. Like, sneaking through and. Sure enough, like my dad blew a cow call, I think, and he just screamed right back. And it just so happened that he came running past Bridget and not me. Right. Perfect shot. Oh, wow. She held her composure together. I mean, that's a big animal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's funny, though, you, you know, you think about that and she made that perfect shot. That animal is only five yards away. Like, you know how many people would screw that shot up? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just unreal. You can do all your homework. I was thinking about that today. You can do you can do all your homework. Like, you can run. You can stay fit. You can shoot your bow. You do all your research. You can do everything that it takes to line yourself up and to, you know, set, you know, put yourself into that position. But when you're alone and it comes down to the wire that you have to make that shot, it's either make or break or make that decision and you know keep your composure not everybody has that to Mm -hmm. do that and i think it kind of takes a it takes that hunter instinct to get it done and not screw that shot up you know Mm -hmm. i mean yeah a tree branch or something like that is unforeseen but like just keeping your wits about you under tough circumstances and you know opportunities like that that present itself and making that happen right yeah. I experienced that for quite a few years when I first started archery hunting because I would make bad shots. I would shoot shoulder blade or I would shoot too high between. Yeah, you pull spine. up with your bow mm-hmm. and get a pin on fur or something. Mm-hmm. And you just let it fly. Exactly. You know? Next thing you know, you're wounding animals. I mean, that's all part of archery, but to really slow down and, you know. Maintain your composure. Maintain your composure, right. Pick your spot on the animal. Make mm-hmm. sure it all is happening the way it should and. And uh, it takes a, it, that's a whole nother aspect of archery that you can't teach, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's, comes with, I feel like, experience and time in the field. Yeah, being and just to being that. That, that type of person, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like some people have it and some people don't. They, you'll, you'll figure it out, yeah. out quickly. Yeah, if you you're know? made for it, if you're right. cut out for it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a cool experience for sure. What a gorgeous animal too and she smoked one this year yeah another big six by six i saw that i'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) that was like my phone like i always know because i'm the archery guy so everybody comes in i'm like make sure you you know send me a a picture if you get something or whatever i want to see it you know you're helping everybody tune up their equipment and stuff and Mm Sure enough, you know, opening day, I knew my phone's going to start dinging here at some point. Yeah. I think, yeah, Bridget was, I think, the first one that that came through. Ding. I look, I'm like. Opening day. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She got it done. How awesome is that? It was pretty cool because I watched those elk all summer as well. Um, Where we hunt is a big valley. You can hunt on both sides, but the bottom's private. And so you're able to glass... It's really nice in the summer to just go and glass from one side. You're not in there running around, spreading your scent around. Yeah. Um, you can just kind of observe. And I literally had a notebook where there was a group of six bulls that would come out. And I would write, you know, all right, 4.15, like, came out. And then the bull that she shot was always by himself. 
and he was super down low, just right above these cliffs. He was hanging out in the cliff area. Hmm. He felt safe there. Nothing yeah. was going to come up. So I was like, this is where you guys need to go opening day. Because my <laughs> friend Bill and I, we were right back here doing that mule deer hunt. So yeah. I wasn't with them, unfortunately, but it was good to get that photo up, up high in the mountains from Heck them. Yeah. Yeah. What Pretty an successful. incredible yeah, yeah. animal. Elk hunting is, I don't know, it's gotten, it's gotten tough recently for me. Um, I think it's been three years now since I was successful on an archery bull. Just really haven't seen the amount of animals that I normally have, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, so, yeah, if you find a spot like that, <laughs> that's pretty nice, you know, mm -hmm. especially if you can, like what you said in the afternoon, just go there and observe. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a, a serious commitment to where I've been hunting, you know. Yeah. It takes a solid day to hike in there. And to get in there. All of a day, mm -hmm. you know, so it's tough, but... You know, you just got to find those spots, right? Yeah. And that brings up another topic we were talking about earlier, the physical aspect of all of this. And tell us a little bit about your training routine that you do. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very, it's very really important, right, to be fit. I mean, getting back into the, the mountains and stuff. I mean, I, I um, started doing CrossFit five years ago, five or six years ago. I got into CrossFit and, you know, kind of just took off in that sport I just you know found myself actually good at something you know mm -hmm. other than hunting so got into crossfit and and it was easy for me kind of and just really liked it so i did a lot of crossfit um and now as of recent i don't do as much crossfit i'd like i don't go to the gym and stuff i think it was you know some of the the covid pandemic stuff came into that right where mm -hmm. you couldn't actually go somewhere so Maybe through that, I have switched up my routines and stuff, but I, I normally do a, I do a workout at my house every day. Um, either I'll either run or I'll do a CrossFit based workout and uh, like a circuit type workout. And I just put them together myself and mm -hmm. I just have like kind of the bare minimum stuff here, but I get it done, you know, mm -hmm. um, just kind of discipline and get up in the mornings and get that workout in. Um, if I'm not working out, I'll try and run and I'll do somewhere, uh, I don't know, between, you know, some days I'll do a, a couple miles and other days I'll do like close to 10. Mm -hmm. It really depends on whatever, but how I'm feeling that day. But yeah, running and just staying fit and eating right too, that's like a big part of my life. Right. And I think it aids me in my hunting, you know? Exactly. I like think it. it makes us better hunters. Yeah. When that's more of a lifestyle choice. Well, you make that effort to get way back in there and you're just not completely uh, exhausted when you get in there. I mean, some guys, they hike way back in there and they get their tent set up and they just don't even move because mm -hmm. they're just so beat down, you know? Exactly. So yeah. to get in there and get yourself all set up and stuff after hiking for you know, a day and a half. It's important to be fit enough to start your hunt from there. Yeah, that's like your warm-up. Yeah. Going into it. All right, feeling good. Right. Feeling loose. Maybe do a couple of those in the summer, setting up some trail cameras or something, you know. Exactly. Two or three times of that. So that's all. Yeah, I think fitness is a huge part of Western hunting. I think anybody Absolutely. that's a, especially archers, can agree, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a big part of what I do, you know? Um, 
have you competed in any of those races? You, I see you have the Total Archery Challenge shirt on. Yeah, I um, I haven't done any like fitness competition stuff for archery. What is what's that one that's on the front range? Um, the Alpha. The Alpha. Yeah. I, did you do that? We're doing it this year. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I I have not done that, but um, I did compete in the the CrossFit Opens every year. Um, it's like a worldwide mm-hmm. based, yeah. uh, you know, competition. So I was in the opens every year. I did that and that's a lot of fun, but, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll do the, I'll do a bunch of 3d shoots in the, in the summer. I'll do like the, you know, uh, you know, Colorado bow hunters association. They have a few 3ds and then the, the total archery challenges I'll do do the local one that just came here last year and then we went to utah last year and mm-hmm. to snowbird and did that those are a lot of fun and so really doing le- the sunlight one this year i'll be doing the sunlight one mm-hmm. Both and days. uh i'm going uh last year we signed up three days and we just figured it was a little too much by sunday we were kind of burnt out mm-hmm. and the the heat became a factor up there yeah. um so this year we decided to do Friday, take Saturday off and do Sunday. So we'll be up there two days. And um, that's just, that's really good preparation for hunting, you know? Yeah. Just really learning your foot position. Just so many little tips and things that you can pick up from other guys and just talking and, you know, and then getting to use your rangefinder and, you know, cruising around on the mountain and shooting. And, yeah. It's just, it's really important, I think. It's good, right? Yeah, it was really cool last year. A lot year. of fun. Yeah. My friend uh, came up from Utah, and we just planned to do it by ourselves, but we get off of the chairlift, and we hike down. I think we were doing the Yeti course, and there was a group of four guys. There was actually five guys, but four of them were just shooting that were in front of us, and they're like, y'all better just come join us because you're going to have to wait for us anyway. Right. We're like, cool, why not? We made like some great friends. Friends, yeah. Still in touch with them. Just really good camaraderie out there, right? Exactly. Just spent the day and like, I don't know if I'll ever see them again in real life. Yeah. We've stayed in touch. And and everybody's joking and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a good way to get those butterflies out, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think being maybe, maybe this is a part of the, which is really important too, if you think about those, you know, shoots like that is, shooting in front of us, you know, on stage like that in front of a group of people, you know, your nerves are kind of, yeah, you know, exactly. so you get a, a good, a good taste of that too, which is a part of hunting when you're out there and, you know, your nerves are kind of running under high pressure. under yeah. pressure when you get an animal in front of you. So mm-hmm. to be there and that's all part of it. It's just a really good time and meet some really cool people there. Um, yeah, I really enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. Well, cool. We'll have to try and link up on Sunday. Sure. We'll be up there. We're shooting Saturday and Sunday. Um, it'll be cool to link up Sunday. Do you, you have know? a 117-yard pin for the caribou? <laughs> Can make one. <laughs> I do now. I almost got it last year, too. Yeah. I was almost in the in the truck. So I learned from the, the Glenwood uh, Sunlight one. I was like, well, I don't have a 117-yard pin for that caribou out there to enter on the truck, you know? Yeah. Well, I made sure when I went to Utah, I had one, and I was pretty dialed. You know, I think I missed that 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 twelve ring or whatever. By oh man, it was must have been a half an inch, and I had a I had a stack of arrows over there. I must have been ten arrows deep on that. Mm-hmm. 
there was a crowd of 30 people around there just, ooh, oh, oh yeah. ooh, you know. Exactly. It was the energy cool. up there is great. Oh, it was just so much fun, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's joking and laughing and having a good time. Yeah, no one's taking it too seriously. It's not like this right. competition of like, oh, you suck. Right. Oh, you clearly have been doing this your whole life. Or, you know, yeah, and if you want to keep a scorecard, you, you're more than welcome to do it. And if you don't, you don't have to. It's all whatever you mm-hmm. want to do, you know, which is, yeah. is cool, you know. Um, I think for the the sunlight one, we, we kept scorecards on that one. Uh, one of my buddies, Spencer Trown, and I were pretty competitive together, so we wanted to see mm-hmm. who was ahead um, on the scorecards after the three-day event. But and? When, well, I say it was a tie. <laughs> I think he got me on the first day, and then I slowly crept back through that. And by the third day, I was equally tied, if not ahead. So, mm-hmm. but let's let's call that one a draw. <laughs> okay. You know, but I think by the time we went to uh, Utah, we had kind of ironed out those differences, and we weren't carrying scorecards anymore. It was just for some fun and laughs. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, my friend Sean Sinclair and I went to that one. So we just had a blast, you know, uh, just good, clean fun, you know. Exactly. Lots of fun. You've got a lot of trophies in this house. White tails, a lot of elk, mountain goat, mountain lion. Yeah. What was your favorite one? Do you have a favorite? Um, You know, I really don't. I don't think I, I can't pin it down to just one, you know. You were talking about that New Mexico bowl, though, how that hunt was kind of wild. What's yeah. the story behind that one? Okay. Um, well, I went with a group of guys. I think, you know, as far as my trophies are concerned, they're they're just all so unique and different. And each one has, like, that story behind it, right? That's mm-hmm. so special to you. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's the way I feel about them. I mean, I can just look at one of those trophies on my wall and just re- recall every step-by-step, play-by-play in that hunt. It's just really special to me it's just really who i am in that major part of my life you know so my trophies are really special to me and i don't really think it's something i want to you know it's not like i hang a badge on any of that stuff or whatever it's just really personal Mm -hmm. um but anyway yeah the new mexico deal i was called by a friend of mine to join in on a new mexico uh, archery hunt and it was a, it was a group tag so the four of us all put in and if one of you know if we drew all four of us were getting a bull tag mm-hmm. so that's how that happened um, we went down a, one of the guys and I went down early and we did some scouting there and we figured the hunt was going to be really hot that's what everybody was saying you know animals are probably going to be you know concentrated around water so we spent a lot of time on the onyx maps cruising around trying to find you know obscure water holes and you know hanging tree stands and cameras and just kind of observing maps and stuff trying to get off the beaten path where where we thought guys wouldn't want to walk to um, where there was water we were concentrating on water well little did we uh know that it was like a monsoon season that swung in when we were there. So we spent 17 days hunting and not one of us sat in a tree stand or hunted a water hole the whole time we were there. So it immediately changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of water. You get up in the morning and you're, you were just, you know, just fighting mud around the campsite. You'd start your day off hiking super wet, just layers of 
Gore-Tex on you, you know, just fighting the water in the morning that was on all the vegetation, you know. Mm-hmm. Boots were soaking wet by the afternoon. The sun would come out, get hot. You're peeling all those layers off, trying to find elk, mm-hmm. you know. And then, you know, 2 o'clock, look out. You better, you're running off the mountain. There's thunder and lightning. And it was pretty much like that every day. So it was really tough to locate animals and to, you know, to actually hunt. It's just, there was so much other stuff going on, mm-hmm. you know, just elements that were just really hard. So none of us really were having that much luck. We were hearing some bugles and distant bugles and stuff and running into other guys. And uh, um, so the hunt was winding down. We had one more day and we all got up that morning and just went out and gave it hell. And by 10 o'clock that morning, my buddy and I were run, we were right into a herd of elk. We had spooked a big bull and kind of busted up a herd in the morning. There was, we were, we found ourselves right in elk. You know, they're all around us that morning. Um, and we called in, uh, I think that, that bull was probably a four and a half year old bull. It was like a 300 bull, maybe just under, but, and yeah, I put a good shot on it about 40 yards away and it didn't take long for that to expire. And Mm -hmm. I was pretty happy after that on the 17th day to roll into camp with that thing on my back, you know? It's crazy when you have to suffer a little bit, how much more rewarding it is. And the antler size doesn't mean all that much to you anymore, you know? Exactly. When it comes down to it, it's like, yeah, we all want to shoot mature animals, but... Man, to be successful on a hunt like that and then to have all that meat, you know, coming home, long, hard trip, mm-hmm. it was it was a bonus. The other day I threw on my pack and I just put 20 pounds in and I did like four and a half miles. Did not have the appropriate layers on, on the top, and was just so cold the entire <laughs> time. The wind was whipping. I just had like a very light workout long sleeve on that had mesh on the sleeves. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Drea, this is mental fitness for hunting season. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get back and I'm going to shoot my bow while I'm cold still. And I like can't move. Yeah. You know, that's because great. That's, that's a great I idea. feel like that's an element that you can't fully train for when you're out there is when you yeah. have the rain and the snow and the mud and super hot, dry weather. Like, how are you supposed to train for right. that? Being a little bit miserable. All, yeah. It's all, because it's all part of it. You yeah. know, those struggles are just. That's what kind of defines you, especially mountain hunting, because you can't you you can't go home. You're there, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to get up in the morning. Yeah, I was, exactly. I was thinking about that too. It's like you know, you know, when you pack in for two days and get your tent set up and you roll, you know, you get. I mean, you know, the opening day, right? Yeah, everybody's stoked to get out of there. You come flying out of your sleeping bag. It's not even on. Well, three or four days into that. It's tough to get out of that bag. You don't, Mm -hmm. you just like don't even want to come out of there, you know? Just one more hour. (laughs) Right. And then I'll go. You're just like laying in your bag, listening for bugles. Hopefully there's something around, you know, but to push yourself and get out of, out of that tent, get going and, and to, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to, uh, you know, keep pushing on a hunt like that. It's tough to do, but it, Mm -hmm. uh, and then to endure all the conditions that the weather throws at you too. It's tough. It's another part of why we do it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all part of that challenge. It's not about just tagging your, right. feeling your tag. Those are the experiences that you remember, you know, mm-hmm. it's those easy hunts that 
if you've ever, I've never had an easy elk hunt, but if you ever have, you, you probably don't really remember those, you yeah, know, exactly. it's the ones that you're, you, you come home and there's just dirt under your fingernails and blood and, mm -hmm. you know, you dug and scratch for days out there. You probably won't forget that hunt. Exactly. You know, All the those are special. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that ingrain, um, that's what makes it so fun, you know? Turkey season's coming up. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about turkeys a little bit, huh? Do you Did you draw a tag or over-the-counter or anything? I applied, but I didn't draw. Right. Um, I should. Uh, I, I will get drawn next year, I think. Um, so it's just an over-the-counter tag, which I'm excited about because I found a little secret honey hole last year. Cool. And um, another Archery excuse. or is, is it? I'm going to take my bow. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I don't own any guns. You don't? should probably do that <laughs> soon before things get too crazy. Yeah, um, well, but I really want to shoot one with my bow. A shotgun's important, I think. You yeah. know, waterfowl and, mm -hmm. and some turkey stuff, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, it's I, on the uh, list. I personally, I don't do a lot of turkey hunting myself. Um, if I do, I normally go to Nebraska. I've got a friend that um, I'm fortunate enough to hunt on private land. Um, so that's always a treat. I'm not dealing with other hunters and things like that. But yeah, turkey hunting's a lot of fun, right? Just getting out there in the spring and just a different, seeing all that new growth and vegetation. I like seeing, yeah, everything like... Just the opposite of fall, right? <clears throat> it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when turkey season starts, which it's coming up here in a couple weeks here in Colorado, it's really cool to see the transgression of, all right, things are starting to get green. And, oh, wow, that field is, like, neon green over there, right? And then the deer are everywhere, the <laughs> right. elk are everywhere, the turkeys are gobbling. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then there's always that chance of finding that shed out there, you know? <laughs> That's always part of it. It's always but, the icing on the cake. Yeah. I've, uh, I've shot a couple turkeys with my bow, and normally archery hunting for turkeys is a little bit different, you know? Normally out of a blind mm -hmm. or something, you know, trying to find that roost. Exactly. Trying to get yeah. close to where they roost and get set up in a blind or something. Um, some decoys out there, you know, that's pretty much how I've I've been successful with archery equipment, mm -hmm. you know. Turkey hunting in Colorado reminds me a lot of elk hunting. And I've talked to a lot of people and they say the same thing. It's Your tactics are kind of the same, especially when you're calling and trying to locate and just especially when you're shoot, trying to get one with a bow just trying to close in that that final distance and using almost those same like techniques that you would use for the elk um i think and, spot and stock would i mean i've never shot a turkey with my bow spot and stock um it's so hard yeah <laughs> i've tried probably why i don't do it you <laughs> yeah. know last year when um covid happened and quarantine kicked in that's what I was doing. I was living out of the back of my truck and I just had Remy and we were turkey hunting every day and I was obsessed because I was just like, this is so frustrating, but so addicting. Right. <laughs> I was so close today. Okay. I know where they roosted last night. So I'm going to get up here early and I'm going to sit right here and they're going to come down. So I do that. And sure enough, he goes to the top of the ridge. I say, okay, well. <laughs> yeah. They're so unpredictable too. Just when you think you've got them pinned down, yeah. you know, forget it. Exactly. But I mean that whole element of trying to close the distance on a turkey with something with that their eyesight is just so darn sharp, you so know, sharp. they pick yeah. up on, I mean, I don't care what camo you have. If you blink, you're mm -hmm. done. You know, if mm -hmm. they're within 
40 yards of you and you blink, they're probably going to see you, you know? Exactly. So trying to pull a bow on a turkey is, it's got to be right. There's got to be just that tree right there that his head's behind that you mm-hmm. can yank your bow back. Mm-hmm. You know, it is so much fun though. And they're just, they're so fun to watch. They're just crazy little creatures out there. They kind of yeah. are. You feel like they're little baby dinosaurs. Right. Watching they are them. so tough their, too. Their heads are like constantly going right? and they're chatting away and... You're like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like that <laughs> Neanderthal uh, poultry yeah. creature out there running mm-hmm. around. Oh my God, they're so tough. Yeah, I mean, I've shot some with a bow that, you know, oh, that's I'm totally that's a that's a kill shot all day long. Mm-hmm. Later, thing flies away with my arrow in it. I'm like, how the heck did I? Yeah, right. You know, their their uh, their kill zone's really small too. So, and it can be really hard to decipher that when they're all puffed up, right. strutting around. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know about you, but from what I've experienced and, and also read is one of the best shots on a turkey, especially a, a, uh, a tom, is when they're, they're actually facing away from you and they've got their fan out. You shoot right at the base of that fan. Mm-hmm. Um, right by their butt, right? Yeah. And that will just, it lines up right with the, mm-hmm. the vitals. Yeah, that seems like to be mm-hmm. a good kill shot on a turkey. I mean, that breast is so big and feathers and stuff up there, you clearly mm-hmm. want to stay away from that but yeah uh, they're distracted and looking away mm-hmm. yeah that too turkey tips 101 turkeys yeah mm-hmm. oh man it's gonna be fun i think i'll zip out to nebraska and do some turkey hunting out there i usually usually take my buddy's son out and stuff no, but he's he's a junior or senior in high school so he's probably going to be taking me out yeah right he's got the birds all lined out so. but you've known them for a while haven't you like 20 years yeah. now yeah so you probably my... took him out when he was mm-hmm. i'm sure he frequents those spots that we went to mm-hmm. when he was a kid so. yeah yeah that's all good stuff you know yeah i think yeah. it's so great to instill that in kids when they're young uh the family that i nanny for their youngest boy troy is uh seven and i took him rabbit hunting on the last day of season I just, like we weren't really rabbit hunting, but I was. I wanted to get out of the house, and he's yeah. been talking about hunting for a while. So I was like, Troy, bring your BB gun. You know, like a BB gun's not going to kill a rabbit. He's not. He wasn't hunting. He was tagging along. I had my bow. In his and, mind, he was hunting. Though, mm-hmm, right? In his you mind, know? yeah. In his mind, he was hunting. He had yeah. his orange on. He was practicing um, his safety, gun, his gun safety, safety right? And yeah. everything. Like as soon as we got so out of the huge. truck, I was like, all right, we're going to load our gun now, and this is like what we're going to do, you know? And he just had this biggest smile, and he's walking, just holding it perfect the whole time. And then the other night at work, he was like, "Can we shoot the BB gun?" I was like, yeah, let's set up some cups and let's put some uh, food coloring in the snow so we can see them. It's like blood. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We put red yeah. food coloring in the you snow. You killed it. And he's officially addicted and he can't stop talking about <laughs> right. rabbit hunting. You know, it's you just want like some more blood out yeah, there. He's like, let's go shoot baby guns. Yeah. yeah, like this. And, you know, they're wanting to buy some land and can we rabbit hunt? Like, all he's talking about is rabbit hunting. Oh, I'm like, so cool. I'm doing something right. Yeah. You know? I think it was really fitting for me that, you know, I, I grew up, you know, doing my annual Nebraska trip out there and um, I would get Sam involved into archery. So I, you know, that's my thing. So I'd bring him a bow and get him all lined out, shoot his arrows and stuff. Well, after a few years of that, he started getting pretty good with, mm-hmm. with shooting his bow. He was pretty accurate. He was practicing before I got there and we go sit into like a blind or something together and 
I watched him miss a nice buck one day. He was probably maybe 10 years old. He missed a buck, and I was right beside him, and boy, he just, he wouldn't live it down, you know? Mm -hmm. He was so upset at himself. And I said, you know, listen, there's going to be more opportunities. It's just one deer, you know? At least you missed it. It wasn't a wounded animal or something. You can learn from this. Exactly. Things to be learned. So Mm -hmm. he did, and, you know, a couple years later, I think he was 12, um, we went out, I went out and brought him out hunting and got him all set up into his tree stand with his safety harness. And, you know, I was a short distance away in my tree stand. And uh, he ended up by heart shooting a nice buck that night. And it was just so special to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And he was he was so thrilled. Elated, when, yeah. Oh, man, when he called me on the phone and I was within a hundred yards of him I could see him over there shaking around in his mm-hmm. tree and stuff I mean he could hardly talk on the phone you know and uh, so excited oh it was so cool but yeah it'd be it was just really fitting to be part of that and mm-hmm. that experience so yeah and he's just kind of taking the ball and run with it now so he's really involved into hunting the whole deal I mean archery rifle hunting he's huge on waterfowl that's yeah. a big part of his life, you know. Sounds like you were a big part of that as well. I'd like to think so. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Help yeah. build that up. Right. It's exactly. cool. It's very rewarding, I feel like, to be able to do that. My nieces and nephews now are old enough. Yeah. The older ones. And he always wanted that. to eat everything, which yeah. I thought was the best, because that's, you know, really what hunting's about, exactly. you know. I mean, to a we lot of people. Yeah. He wanted to eat everything from mm-hmm. squirrels to... Yeah. And his mom just rolled her eyes and shook her head and looked at me with, <laughs> like, yeah. what have you done to my son, you know? But, uh, oh, I'm Tapping him into his primal instincts. Right. So cool. Mm-hmm. Troy tells me, the first animal I want to kill is a pine squirrel. <laughs> like, all right, I'll do my research when you turn 12. And I want to eat those hindquarters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember eating my first grace, or my first red squirrel, actually. Yeah. It was, uh... Not the best, but I ate it. I was all stoked for it, yeah, you know. Exactly. We breaded it and fried it, <laughs> put the butter in there and all about it, you know. But yeah, I think that's uh that's awesome. And you've been hunting since you were a kid, yeah? Did you grow up hunting? Um I did. I I grew up hunting, um back in Vermont, yeah, as a child there. I think yeah. I, I shot my first white tailed deer when I was in sixth grade um yeah i shot my first white-tailed deer when i was in sixth grade so it's been a huge part of my life and it i mean still is but Mm -hmm. i mean as we were talking earlier today like hunting for me has not been like it's been a way of life for me and it was food on the table Mm -hmm. you know that was Mm -hmm. pretty much why i was involved with hunting just another person out there for our family trying to put food on the table, you know? Same here. Just a mm-hmm. way of life for, for, you know, a lot of people, but especially, you know, you know, coming from a family that wasn't very wealthy, mm-hmm. that meat was important for us, you know? Yep. I mean, I'm from a family of 14. Mom, a lot of mouths to feed. A lot of mouths to feed. Mom couldn't go to work every day. Right. You know, she had things to do, and that's a, a big pressure on my dad to be able to financially support us. And I'm so, so thankful that we had the upbringing that we had, you know? Me too. I from am too. fruits and vegetables to fish from the river to black-tailed deer to Roosevelt elk. 
Like we had three freezers. One was a chest freezer was dedicated to fish because we caught so much yeah. fish. And then the other freezers were, there was a deer freezer and an elk freezer. And it was like, it wasn't just the hunting too, right? I mean, for me, we would go out in the spring and we would, we would, uh, pick what they called um uh fiddleheads and it was like this certain type of green that mm. when they would first pop out of the ground it was like this round um fern and it would open up and, and bloom into a fern but mm -hmm. if you pop if you got them when they first came out of the soil they were really tender so that's what we did in the spring we'd go out with five gallon buckets and we'd cruise riverbanks and we my dad and i would just pick fiddleheads all day long mm -hmm. you know and we would go home and just feast like that would be a huge part of our dinner for that night and and days to come and we'd freeze some my mom would make jar them and mm -hmm. whatever you know Preserve like you them. know pickle them and stuff like yeah. that so that was all all part of that hunting gathering thing so it wasn't just the hunting in the fall it was mm -hmm. also you know those fiddleheads and you know berries blackberries man i can right. remember just scratching myself up so bad you know, picking blackberries in the fall and stuff in the summer in Vermont because we ate that stuff. That was yep. huge. Having our gardens and part of our daily diet. Yeah, <laughs> it was just being that hunter gatherer. You know, and mm -hmm. um, obviously, archery hunting and rifle hunting and all that stuff when I was growing up was hugely important. I mean, all that you know, venison was amazing and still is, um, but just a huge part of my upbringing. You know. Yeah, I would like to tap back into more of that if possible. Start gardening, you know? It would be right. really nice to be fully sustained. I think a lot of people now, I think hunting is wasn't so cool for a long time, you know? It had this, like, stigma attached to it, right? Where beer bellies and, you know, shotguns rifles, shotguns, yeah. You yeah. know, and just kind of like some distasteful things. Along with hunting, there was a time when that whole aspect of it was kind of prevalent but now mm -hmm. i think you know people are really starting to get into it and it's kind of like the it's kind of like the cool thing to do now you know mm -hmm. you see like these adventure runners and things i get into the archery shops and really fit people now and um getting into the sport um it's definitely changed you're seeing a different type of person out there now more mm -hmm. educated and uh and really into the fitness aspect of it and, and feeding their family with with protein that where they know where it comes from. Exactly. You know, you're not buying stuff in the store. People don't really want to eat meat that's killed by somebody else or been, you know, you know, tainted with food colorings and things like that. I don't know if we're yeah. diving in too deep into a subject here. There's all the holes, rabbit holes yeah, we can go into. You know, that's pretty controversial, but yeah. I, you know, I think it's important for people now more than any time is to know where your food comes from. It's mm -hmm. so important. I know for me, like I, I rarely have beef and I just choose not to eat it. I, and you know, I'm successful enough. Thank God with my archery hunting and stuff like my freezers are full of meat that I harvest myself mm -hmm. And I, you know, eat a lot of that. So I primarily, if I'm going to buy meat at the store, it's probably chicken mm -hmm. um, or maybe some type of fish here and there, but mostly yeah. chicken. And, but most of my red meat is all stuff that I've harvested myself. So yeah. beef I'll get from local farmers. I've got like mm -hmm. Nislanics or they're good friends of mine. I'll get beef from there or my, my buddy Tom Hartman in Nebraska that runs that 
black Angus cattle will get meat from him. Mm-hmm. So that's where my beef will come from. But yeah. I think uh, it's important to know where your meat comes from, right? Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Want to eat healthy and... And to feel that connection with it too. Yeah. It's always fun to like sit down with your friends or your family and you like relive the story of... Oh man, of that's the... The hunt or the fishing trip or... That's the bonus, right? You know, planting that garden. We had a garden the size of a football field. And every day, all right, Drea, run out and grab two bags of potatoes. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, right. we need some corn on the cob. So we would sit there and we would husk the corn and we'd throw it out to the horse, you know, and we right. would have so much fun. You'd dirt in our nails all the time. Oh, man, that's was, just the good stuff. I was telling the kids the other day that we used to pick carrots from the garden and I wouldn't even rinse them off. I would just wipe them and just start eating them and go off and play and do whatever I was doing. I my a, my grandfather had this saying when I was a kid, he... He was saying there, there's nothing there's nothing better than taking a walk through the garden with a jackknife and a salt shaker. Yeah. That's what, his, <laughs> that's what he used to say. So that was pretty yeah. funny, but so awesome, right? Yeah. That's um, good. Yeah, I had a family. I had a family come here and stay with me one time. This is when I had chickens. And I was trying to get the kids excited about going down and picking eggs so we could mm-hmm. have the eggs for breakfast and whatever. They were from California, so I don't think they they had never been exposed to that. Mm-hmm. So they were what, like, what? The chickens lay eggs, you know? <laughs> like, you don't just buy the eggs at the store. So we went down. I brought them down to the chicken coop, and I let them, you know, get in, the, in there and scare the hens out, grab the eggs. And we all came up all fired up and let them crack the eggs and we're all, you know, getting ready for some scrambled eggs. And once we made a plate of scrambled eggs, none of them would eat it. Really? Nope. They wouldn't touch it because it wasn't from the store. It wasn't from the store. It wasn't from the store. <laughs> it's totally opposite of what yeah. it should, should I mean, be. they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were probably nine years old, I'd yeah. say eight, nine, ten. So they had already formed an opinion on that wow. and kind of, they didn't want any part of it, you know. Mm. I think it's it's important at a young age to teach them that. Absolutely. This is where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. It's not from a styrofoam package or in the that, store, you know. That may have traveled a week to get here. Right. It's actually a living animal you're eating there, mm-hmm. you know, at yeah. one time. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. that connection is hugely mm-hmm. important. That's on my list for the summer. I'm excited. I'm going to get little chicks and make a chicken coop. Heck yeah. The family I work for is buying some land, so I'm relocating and hopefully i know it's a little bit difficult here in colorado to grow vegetables unlike washington where it's the perfect climate right i think the rule of thumb what i heard is like june 1st that's when you need to plant yeah but there's always like that give or take whether you're doing it too early because sometimes (laughs) we get that frost or that snowstorm that comes through yeah Um, but oh man my gardening experience is not been that fruitful but yeah it's fun right mm-hmm. i think root root vegetables i could do pretty good carrots mm-hmm. and horseradish and some yeah things like that mm-hmm. tomatoes not so much yeah exactly corn uh-uh. <laughs> you go buy some of that yeah that good yeah. go to sweet, the farmer's market yeah that good support sweet the local peonia farms. corn or whatever yes. that is i um, love peonia do you ever yeah. make it over there i do yeah, yeah. is cool i have a friend that lives over there he just built a house there, so I'd go over there occasionally. Um, yeah, Payone is fun. Yeah, not too far from here. Just up yeah. over McClure. Yeah, That's where I guided. The other side. That's yeah. where I guided for was over in Payonia. You were with Bear Creek? Mm-hmm. How, how was your guiding experience? How was that? <laughs> you know, I've had people ask me, 
hey, would you guide? You know, that's something I wanted to talk about today too is I don't want to take up a bunch of the time about this, but it's very similar to guiding, right? My my ex-wife was a chef and she had she had a uh, like a movie producing company come in. What they did was, I think they called them sizzle reels, right? Mm-hmm. Where they were going to film her cooking and try to make a show out of this thing, you know, because she was really talented chef, you know? Well, all of a sudden they met me and they walked into our house and all these trophies around and wheels were spinning there. You could just see them. Next thing you know, they had kind of worked their way over to me and they wanted to do a show with me and mm-hmm. asked me if they could, if I, if I could, they could join me on a hunt and they could bring all their gear because they wanted to see how it was done and they wanted to see an animal being shot and all this other stuff, you know? And I just felt like my guiding, it, I wasn't so much into it because like, okay, listen, hunting, there's, you can go, I have been through a whole season of elk hunting and maybe seen one elk all season, right? That's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. So dragging a film crew around with me in the mountains and trying to babysit these guys. And I, I, I was, you know, their interest in the sport was definitely awesome. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. stoked that they had that interest, but I have no interest in dragging somebody around in the woods with me for days and days on end and they, and like trying to m- make a kill or something. It just, it doesn't happen sometimes and a lot of frustration there and a lot of, uh, you know, just expectations that probably aren't going to be fulfilled expectations from what they've seen on like these tv shows right you know and um i feel like they make it look easy you know all these different shows because they have land that's managed right and so they have good bucks and they have trail cams out like they're still putting in the work but people have these expectations of coming out that they're going to be able to go out fill their tag it's going to be easy there's no physical exertion that's why I was just, I brought that up because I think guiding for me, I've never really been interested in it um, personally just because of that aspect, you know, like letting somebody down, trying really, really hard, getting out there, especially with people that don't really respect it and know that it's it's a lot of work and you can go, you can go time and time and time again hunting is a hard thing to do and it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of patience and a lot of you know perseverance out there to Mm -hmm. get it done and uh i just felt like well dragging these guys around out there day and day and day and then you know coming home empty-handed they wouldn't want to have a thing to do with me you know Mm -hmm. so it was not as easy as just going out there and getting it done there's a key word you said there babysitting and the the last year that I guided, it was a third rifle hunt, and I felt like that's what I was doing the entire time. Um, we had several opportunities that they just couldn't pull through, so they had opportunities. And uh, second to last day, I found two bulls. They, it wasn't a horrible hike. They, we had a hike up a ridge, not even a mile. You know, we found these elk in the evening, two bulls, not big bulls, but shooters. And it was down to the last day. And so we got in there nice and early in the morning and started hiking in the dark. This kid's 25 years old. Okay. Like you should be able to hike one mile with, I think it was maybe a thousand feet of elevation gain. So it was a little steep, but we had plenty of time. Right. And 
we got up. I mean, you would think so anyway, right? And you, I mean, going into a hunt like that, you've got to know that you're going to you're going to be faced with situations where you're going to have to be uncomfortable. Some and go. sort of challenge, yeah. Right. And that's what ultimately what happened. <laughs> it got it got light out and looked up towards the top of the ridge, and sure enough, there they were. There was some cows with them as well, and I was like, "All right, dude, you can only shoot 400 yards. We've got to go like another five. You know, they're 900 yards away, so we got a boogie." He's like, I'm so tired. And I'm like, dude, yeah, been, <laughs> I'm tired too. I've been I'm, hunting ever since. <laughs> I've been like busting my butt, butt and, yeah. you know, <laughs> massaging your feelings. Yeah. For, and I was like, for I, days. I was like, all right, 10 seconds and then we're just going to go. But like, we have limited time. They're going to feed up and over this ridge and then they're going to be gone. We're not going to be able, I mean, they're going to come back over tonight, but it'd be, ideally it'd be nice to get it done this morning. We would have all day to be able, I could even go call for help if I need for some friends to come out. Okay. So he gets up the courage and we get up and we still had to go another like 200 yards before he was able to take the shot. The elk went up and over the ridge and you know, it was instant bummer town. Like he was just moping and was just super down. And I'm like, I asked him, I was like, what did you expect coming out to Colorado? How, like, what was your idea? Like, what were you expecting yeah. when, to hunt elk out That's... here? And, and he was like, honestly, I didn't really think about it, Drea. And like, man, next year I'll be in better shape. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, I am not taking you <laughs> yeah. out next year. Right. I'm sorry. This hunt just did it. Like, oh, man. so what it's happened tough. then? I was like, we can sit here. We, you know, like those elk are not spooked we can sit here and chill or we can go down to town we have pizza and a beer like we have time it's nine o'clock in the morning you know it'll take us maybe an hour to hike back up and he looks down the hill and he's like i don't know i don't think i can hike this hill again I'm like cj you're 25 years <laughs> old <laughs> you can hike this hill i'm like we can allow ourselves three hours to hike it you know like we can take 100 steps and we can take a break and we take 50 more and take a break. That's got to be that yep. tough side of guiding that I just didn't really, I wasn't interested in, you know? Well, I want, ultimately, I wanted the elk <clears throat> way more than they wanted them. Right. And, um, and Plus, so you it wanted really to prove me... it to them that, you know, you're a good guide and yeah. I can get you an animal, I'm sure, you know? I don't go into a hunt being like, oh, if we get one, we get one. Like, that is my job and I take it seriously, yeah. you know? And, like, I want to get you an elk. And when they were not showing the interest in it, I was like, it really made me stop and think, like, why am I guiding? You know, like, there's definitely clients that I've had in the past, and we have shared some amazing right. times out there, life-changing. And it's not everybody. Yeah, right? life-changing but... moments, and it's created some really great relationships with people. Um, but then you have those clients that come out, and it's like... In the back of yeah. my mind, it's like, all right, this hunt just needs to be done. Like, right. I'm ready for these five days to be over. Um, a lot of uh, expectations and stuff mm -hmm. there. Um, and that's, you know, hunting, you can't, you can't expect that to be your outcome. You just, mm -hmm. you can't go into it thinking that. You, you have to pay your, your dues. You have to go out there and... And when it happens, it will happen if you're, mm -hmm. if you're serious enough. And I was thinking about like a lot of my hunting too and the successes that I've had. Like this sounds really crazy, but like I think manifestation is a big Huge. deal. And like I think I, I manifested like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, okay, I did my homework. I, 
I shot my bow probably more times, you know, I shoot my bow every day, right? Like not everybody does that. So that's a, all of these things I think play a hand in that into being successful. I mean, you have to like live it. You have to breathe it. You have to want it. And, and like, you know, if you want something bad enough in your life, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you just have to like get it and really, really immerse yourself into it and want it bad enough. You know, those animals will come if you're willing to sacrifice and do the work and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and really want that. And again, like almost manifest that animal, you know, Mm -hmm. you're spending your time out there, you're suffering in a tree stand or, or walking up mountains and sweating you know, crawling out of tents night after night or day, morning after morning, whatever, and putting yourself out there, your failing attempts, right? Mm-hmm. All those failed attempts where you're, you learn from that stuff. Um, that's what makes you a better hunter and makes you successful when you're out there, I feel like, you know? Having a positive attitude, I think, goes a long way as well. Right. And I think all kids go through the phase. I definitely went through it when I was younger and I'd get done hunting with my dad and I'd just be like, oh, did get one today. You know, just like right. That's kind, all of, kind of mopey. Part of it about and I remember being dad young. just being like, that's just how it goes, you know? And he was always super chipper and just like, but didn't we see a cool sunrise today? What about this that we saw? <laughs> yeah, like, trying to yeah, keep your interest yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah whatever, dad. Yeah. <laughs> the interest was far from going away, but I... I remember looking back on that and like first adventuring into the solo hunting as well and just like getting down on myself because I would mess up and it's like, well, how else am I going to learn yeah. when I'm out here, you know? Those solo hunts for me, it's more of like, I find myself more of like in a survival mode when I'm on a solo hunt mm-hmm. than I am actually hunting, you know, I like... Cause I'm getting so far back in there and I want to, I, you know, I want to be successful on a solo hunt and things like that, but it's more about me coming out of here alive. You know, I want to be able to hunt and, but I also want to be able to get home. So my decision-making when I'm back there hunting alone is a lot of thought goes through my, my head. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll get deep enough back in there where I don't really have to go up over a mountain range to hunt. I can hunt right around my tent, you know, mm-hmm. within a couple miles right around where I'm staying, you know. Yeah. And I've been successful doing that. You kind of put yourself back there where those animals are and, you know, you can get into them right close to you. But I think for me it's it's about surviving back there and making right decisions, especially being alone, you know, do you in the carry, high country. Do you carry an, any sort of device out there with you, like an in-reach? Or? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I carry an in-reach um, I think, what is that, a, a DeLorme in reach or something? Okay. So I can pair it up to my phone and send a text message okay. or something like that, yeah. you know? Um, and then I always, I do carry protection. Like, I carry like a 45 or something. It's like a 45 slim. Mm-hmm. It's a handgun, you know? Yeah. I don't normally, but if I'm alone, I will. Mm-hmm. Backpacking, archery yeah. hunting, you know? Yeah. I'll carry that with me. I just don't know. I don't want to be a victim or mm-hmm. I don't know who knows I've had some animals right around my tent <laughs> before in the middle of the night that's freaked me out pretty bad mm-hmm. you know yeah something comes crawling in that tent with me I don't want to 
<laughs> get <laughs> chewed on. But, a little yeah. midnight snack. Right. <laughs> Have a little lot, taste of this. Right. <laughs> be a lot of gristle they'd be chewing on. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this guy squats all the time. Yeah. Is that all it's he all does? gristle. <laughs> squats. Oh, he should yeah. go for a swim. <laughs> it's a muscle, man. All gristle. Uh, that's yeah. too good. Quite the view from your place. Thank you. Yeah. That's sweet, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is. I think this is going into my eleventh year of owning this home here. Mm. I've always loved this spot. I couldn't here. be happier. You know, this was the first house we looked at, and um, my ex-wife and I looked at this place first, and we started comparing everything down the valley into the Roaring Fork Valley and then up towards Aspen where we were living and mm -hmm. just money, you know. Aspen's a wild place. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you just can't afford any. I mean, the mm -hmm. average dude. Mm -hmm. well, I, was tr I was trying to explain to my boss the other day. Um, they had just bought a club at the base of the mountain and they ha they're keeping it open this year for guests to come in and eventually they want to make it like exclusive. But... She was talking about how half of their employees have to come in at a certain time because they're working another job. And I'm like, yeah, because it's so expensive to live around here. Most people need two jobs mm -hmm. in order just to afford to live here. You that's guys, probably... You guys don't understand that. Right. That's, <laughs> like, that's that, yeah. partially why I have an archery business, too, yeah, exactly. out of my home. Like, mm -hmm. That little bit of extra income, it's not so bad. It's kind of nice, you know? Yeah. I, I don't have to leave home. I can do it from here and... Mm -hmm. You know, I'm making a hundred bucks, you know, in an hour or something downstairs, cranking out on somebody's bow. It's not so bad, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. doing something you like too, but it's important all that comes into, Yeah. it all helps. Your clientele, for the most part, are they like pretty dedicated archery hunters? You know, I get a, a, all over the board here. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, I really enjoy it, you know, no matter who it is or what I'm working with down there, whether it's you know, somebody that's never pulled a bow back or, you know, a female, a young child. I mean, whatever. It's all, it. it's really interesting and it's and it's very uh, fulfilling, you know, mm -hmm. um, to work with people and, and just to see their love of archery after they start pulling that bow back, that mm -hmm. initial fear of that bow and stuff. But, um, and then, you know, other clients are, dedicated hardcore hunters you know mm -hmm. get everybody over here um but it's i, I enjoy it mm -hmm. for sure what would your advice be for like a new time archery hunter um i think being set up properly first you know you get a lot of people that want to buy something on ebay or something like that that have no clue of what they're doing cabela's kit yeah cabela's kit or something you know <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, the Cabela's kits aren't bad, but if you're going to be shooting that bow, you should be properly fit, you know? Yeah. So before rushing into something, definitely know what your draw length is. Getting properly fit to, I mean, especially compound archery, you know, that's number one. That's crucial. You have to be fit properly. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be pulling a bow back that's meant you know for somebody with a, a draw length that's three inches longer than you or mm -hmm. vice versa you know being yeah. fit properly is key yeah so that's you know kind of what it, you know that's what i do here like somebody comes up and they want to get into archery or something i'll walk them right through it step by step mm -hmm. right from from being fitted to your bow picking out what you need you know everything and 
you know, they, I think it's important to have somebody do that. So you're not, you're not just walking into like a big box store or something and somebody's trying to push something down onto you that you yeah. don't even need just to make a right. sale. Like, yeah. it's much more important to be fitted properly, know what you're getting. And that's all the stuff I kind of pride myself on is, mm-hmm. is uh, that education bring, you know, educating people on archery. And having yeah. that appointment by only, I think is yeah. huge because you are there's then, no interruptions you're yeah, just dealing just with that. your own client and it's not like you're in sportsman's or cabela's or somewhere in their rush the phones are going off and mm-hmm. there's a line and they're just yeah. trying to like get you what you need and make that sale i never really thought about that aspect of it until recently you know i was like yeah i guess i did you know when you come here you're not going to really have any interruptions it's going to be you and i talking archery one-on-one getting you set up. I'm going to explain everything. That's pretty much what I do. I take somebody right through this is this wheel here, you know, is mm-hmm. called your cam, you know, and then this is your riser. These are your limbs. This is what an arrow does. There's a spine to an arrow and there's a, see that little number, that number means something, you know, and veins and everything. So people get a full crash course 101 in archery. They, they come up and see me and mm-hmm. a lot of people come out of here just pumped you know it's good they get it they get it all they feel like their questions are answered Mm -hmm. you know i try to give people a decent deal on stuff you know Mm -hmm. um at least at the very least retail you know and i try to beat that so yeah people are getting it it's good and business has been good here that's good you know yeah it's good especially because you're not like right in town and i don't even really advertise it's all you know a lot of just referral people oh my buddy came up and he bought this bow or she came up and you know got lessons from you and so it's word of mouth you know so you offer lessons too i do lessons Mm yep i um i went to a school a pse archery school down in tucson arizona um to get like you know certifications in archery so i felt like when i did open my shop i had some kind of certifications you know i'm just not like some whatever some archery dude yeah just thinking he's cool right likes to hunt so (laughs) i got some proper training and stuff and uh you know that was really cool i think that more than anything i learned more how to become a coach and learned about my own shooting and stuff more than anything, because you can pretty much Google and, you know, you you can, you know, paper tune a bow pretty simply from watching YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Or anybody can, you know, have a, a press if you want to drop a couple grand and you can start pressing your bow and fooling around with peep sights and mm-hmm. rests and things like that. Um, but it's really like that knowledge of learning how to shoot properly and how a release aid mm-hmm. is supposed to be fired you know what's your take on releases do you use a back tension you know okay so my i have a lot of people ask me about that especially newer archers that getting in the game because they see the you know the the you know button thumb release that's everybody wants to go to that you know and it's all what you want to do if you want to use that absolutely but there's a way that releases should be fired you know and it's by pulling through the shot like you should not be you know punching the trigger whether it's with your thumb or your index finger you know 
And my take on it for me personally, and that's another thing why I like archery so much is because it's so personal, right? We discussed that before. Mm-hmm. You can use whatever you want. There's no right way or wrong way, really. I mean, things are designed to be used a certain way, but there's so much variation in equipment that you can pick your own way, navigate your own way through that stuff and find what works for you. And it could be completely different than a guy you're standing shoulder to shoulder to at a total archery challenge event. He could, his equipment could be completely different, but the main thing is you guys are both or gals, whatever are, you know, enjoying the sport of archery, but you're, you're also, you know, firing that arrow downrange and it's, it's doing what you want it to do. So mm-hmm. again, with releases, I prefer an index style release. Um, I'm, I'm 48 years old now and I feel like kind of ingrained with that, especially in hunting situations. I feel like I don't want to sway from what's always worked for me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I do have some target panic issues. I didn't even want to say that word, but occasionally that'll pop up in my shooting cause I shoot so much, mm-hmm. you know, I shoot every day and I shoot a lot of arrows so sometimes that'll pop up, and when that does, I'll switch over to a button, a, okay. a, a button release like that. You know, I'll, are you meaning like the thumb one? Yep. Okay. Your back tension button release. You mm-hmm. know, um, I'll keep one of those in my my hip quiver. So if I ever start to have any, it's more of a training tool for me, <clears throat> and I think it's I'll use that if I get into a situation where I start to flinch or start to have some target panic from my index release finger, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I'll swap over to that and all of a sudden after a couple of days of using that release, I can switch back to my other one mm. and and it just seems to disappear and I think it's just like manipulation of your mind and what you're doing, you mm-hmm. know? So that's how I use I use it as a training tool. Yeah. You know? But that's a lot idea. of people hunt with it and stuff and mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different styles of releases on the market. You can choose whatever you want, you know. It all works. They all function the same way. All personal preference. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, at the end of the line, it fires the release from your hand, right? Mm-hmm. So how you choose to do that, it's all up to you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. But, you know, I've seen some guys that were traditional... <laughs> I got a friend of mine that he has let the whole release go on the string without hitting the fire button more than once. What? So the release flies out of his hand because he's trying using a back tension release, Mm -hmm. right? And he's just completely letting the release go without actually firing it. Hmm. So... Yeah, if you're going to make that switch from being an index release shooter with a wrist strap to a button uh, style handheld release, um, thumb activated, maybe get one that attaches to your wrist. Yeah. Because it happens. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden he's calling me and he's going hunting the next day and asking me if I've got a Carter, you know, long shot release or something. You know, it's like, oh man. Yeah. so that's my take on releases, you know? Yeah. I think it's really preference, though. It's all what you want, you know? But yeah. there is a certain way to be... Those All releases should be fired, and that's one of the things that I learned by going and down and doing my, my training. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned how to properly find anchor points and, 
you know, be consistent with those and how a release should be fired and the way your body um, should be set up prior to shots and mm -hmm. all that stuff is huge. And it's focusing on the process of the shot more than picking a spot and having your arrow hit there. If right. your process is right and everything you're working on your process, the arrow will find its mark. Mm -hmm. And it's more important to focus on that process. Step by step. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All those little things, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you have a website? Where can people find you? Um, I do have a website. It's under construction, but it's mm -hmm. like www.darkhorsearchery.com is online. Um, I think my phone number is up there. Um, but yeah, most importantly, I'm on Instagram. All my info is there, or you can call me uh, at 970-379-9750, <laughs> and you can talk to Doug personally. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know? He said it. Yeah. Doug's here to fix all your archery needs. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, just a quick rundown of the shop. I sell uh, Athens Archery, Elite Archery, and Prime. Those are the three bow manufacturers I sell, and... Uh, I am a full Lancaster archery dealer, so any pretty much any type of arrow, um, anything targets, anything like that, if I don't have it here, I can get it. Um, I do coaching, uh, you know, first-time archers, anything. I pretty much do it all. Just I need an appointment and spend a little time, mm -hmm. get rocking and rolling. Hell yeah. It's been awesome chatting. Yeah, this has been fun. It's been cool to, like go somewhere and bring my recording stuff yeah. and like not be on the phone doing it in my little office in my bedroom. <laughs> so so I think it would be us. really cool to like take another step with this and actually you and I hunt together sometime. Let's That'd be go. cool. Let's go. Yeah. You know? I've got a lot of hunts <laughs> planned for this year. You want to get after That'd it. That'd be so much fun. Mm -hmm. I'm always into some type of adventure. So I actually want to do this elk hunt that's, I, I can't get anyone to do it with me cause it's going to suck. <laughs> So you're looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the candidate for that. It's I was thinking like a, you know, a nice Arizona hunt in January, you know, maybe we could go hang out by a pool during the day, catch some rays, talk about some, 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 uh, mule deers or some, you know, cool, yeah, excuse me, coos deer. But anyway. That one will be happening as well in December. We'll be going back to Arizona. I hunted this last January. And we didn't fill our tags, but it's a year-long tag, so. Yeah, I've we'll done that back. twice. Yeah? Yeah. What did you think of it? It was tough. Yeah, yeah. it was hard. Yeah. Um, we've been, I think I've done that twice now, and I have not been successful. Mm -hmm. So, it's a challenging hunt. Mm -hmm. What, what of part fun. of Arizona were you in? Um, we, so we initially, I can't remember the town. Uh, we showed up, and there was a crazy snowstorm going on. Was, like was it northern Arizona? Or? Historical, yeah. Okay. A historical like, snowstorm came through, and there was like two feet of snow we were, we right. were going to hunt. And so, Sounds like um, Flagstaff area or something. Like oh, north where was or it? Globe or something. We went down to... Um, I'm, pull up your Onyx. <laughs> I don't know why I can't think of it right now. Um, but it was interesting to like go there and 
I only we only e scouted off of Onyx, and yeah. my friend Nathan had hunted there two years in a row before, and so I was like trying to get some info from my friends, being like, "Dude, where are we camping? Like, where are we hunting? I want to scout." And uh, Nathan knows where we're going. He's hunted there the last two years, and there's bucks everywhere. He sees like 200 deer a day, and I'm like, "Cool." Okay, we yeah, show up, but there's so much snow. And now right. they're like, oh, Andrea, oh, you should tough. call your friend Ryan from Hunt Arizona and see where we can go. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, uh, I'll, my folks live down there in Apache Junction, so we hunt just east of there, um, probably an hour east of Apache Junction, um, okay. like southeast. It's um, oh, Tucson. That's where you're going, Tucson? No, that's where we were, yeah. Okay, so you're like way south. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah. yeah, we were just north of Tucson, probably an hour, hour and a half. There's a town out there. What is it called? Oh, man, there's a prison there. Yeah. There's a big prison. That's all I know because we pass the prison every day. But anyway, we hunt mule deer and, and coos deer out there, uh, primarily mule deer in that section, but... Um, those coos yeah. deer are, I, I I mean, I don't have a lot of exposure to whitetail hunting. Have you seen one before? Have you seen coos deer? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in this Arizona hunt, yeah. And you I, did see them. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. We've seen quite a few. Yeah. Not a, I did a really cool stock. It was actually on my birthday. I was like, today's the day. It's happening. Right. I'm going to bring 30 in. Manifest with, that. I, I right. know. I was. Yeah. And it felt so good and so right. And I was doing everything right. And I would have shot this buck, but... My two buddies were up on top of the ridge, like cruising around, glassing. Like, I'm sure the scent went right down to these deer. That was 80 yards from them. This buck was just pushing his does around. Wow. Really nice three by three. And this was like a two hour long stock. I would come over a ridge, watch them, and they would kind of kept getting spooked yeah. from the guys up top because they originally saw the deer, but then they thought the deer ran off. And they were just down there. The buck was pushing them around. And so I would get up on a ridge and watch them be like, okay, what's my play? All right, cool. I'm going to go down. I'm going to sneak up on this far side of the ridge and pop over and got within 80 yards of them. And it was so cool to just get so close to them. And I was like this close, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And then the tail went up and they ran off. They all looked up the hill right <laughs> up towards my buddies. And they had no idea that even happened. They didn't even see the deer run off. Yeah. I was like, well, boys. We were going to have back straps for my birthday, but right. ruin that. Encounters, <laughs> opportunities. Yeah, so that, that just came to mind. The, the town is called Florence. That's where we hunt around is mm -hmm. Florence. And it's like, you know, cactus, uh, cliffy, ledgy, kind of high desert stuff. But normally the animals we're getting there are desert mule deer, mm -hmm. not into the coos deer as much yeah. there. Um so, and I have seen some coos deer, but, and that's something I definitely want to shoot. That's on my list yeah. for sure. What a super cool little animal. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a few of them. They're just really neat, you know? Right. Super, super like on edge and just really wild little creatures. Exactly. But, yeah. I feel like it would just be so prim primitive to shoot one with my bow mm -hmm. to be able to get that done. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, any type of archery hunting just like adventures you know i've been to napa shot blacktail out there hawaii i've done axis there texas shot you know uh caribou on the tundra mm. you know it's all just so much fun and so interesting all those adventures mean so much to me you know exactly the success if you do is just mm -hmm. is you know 
bringing that meat home is amazing. So. And there's something about walking land that you've never seen before. When we were in Arizona, my friend Dylan and I, we both experienced this. We came, kind of came up through the saddle just as the sun was setting. And we both were just like charging up the hill because we wanted to glass back into these basins. And I just, I was walking through this big meadow and was just looking around and being like, this is so cool to walk land that I've never seen before. Like each, each one of these hunts you go and do, you're just walking. Like you, very rarely do you just see people being like, all right, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to walk. <laughs> really? and like look yeah. around, like you're hunting, but like. Sometimes you, know, you feel like nobody's ever <laughs> set mm-hmm. foot on this land. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah, that thought goes through my mind a lot too. Of like, right. who else has walked this? Someone else has to have walked this before right. me. Um, maybe, maybe, or maybe I'm the only one. Yeah. Maybe I'm the first. <laughs> Nobody else is gonna be stupid enough to yeah. walk around here. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's, that's great. great. Let's do some hunting. Absolutely. Yeah. All about it. Cool. It'll be a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, well, cool. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for letting us come hang and showing us the shop and. Let's go. Sure. Maybe go fling some arrows, huh? Let's do it. Okay. Bye. <laughs> this is God's country.